Hello, friends, and welcome to Pod Return to the Waking Sands. We are a Final Fantasy XIV companion podcast where we explore the lore and story of Hydaelyn and beyond. My name is Jen, and I'm joined by my co-host and researcher. I'm Levi. Hello, Levi. Hi, Jen. Hi, weird voice Jen. Hi. Today, we are following the main story quest through the end of the dungeon, Sestasha. Our first dungeon. Or dun- Don't you fucking say it. Jen. Don't. <laughs> God. I hate my name anymore. I love it. I'm going to change it to Eustace or something that's impossible to rhyme. I'll find a way. Don't worry. I fucking know you will. Anyway, first dungeon. We did it. We haven't done it yet, but we're, we're about gonna to. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. So we recently finished following the opening quests through all the available city-states. Jen, which character are you going to stick with for the podcast playthrough? I'm rolling with my Lollafell girl, Otis Old Thing. Final answer. Cool. I feel like I loved each of my alts more than the last. Mm-hmm. And I have decided to stick with Shu Shuket. As my alt, my Elizen Lancer, uh, I've decided to focus on melee DPS for this playthrough, as that's the role type I've played the least of all of them so far. I play a tank mainly on my main character. When I do play DPS with him, I usually play Red Mage, so like ranged caster. Mm-hmm. I am going to get my hours in my steps in with um, melee DPS with positionals and all that BS. Really? Yes. Are you sticking with Lancer or do you feel like you're going to switch over to Ninja or something later on? There is supposed to be a Lancer slash Dragoon rebalancing at some point in time. And if they change the class substantially, I might reassess. Mm -hmm. But I don't love Dragoon, honestly, especially at higher levels. So I think I will either um, play Reaper or Samurai once I unlock those classes. But I'll be doing Dragoon until then. I think it'll be fun to play a Dragoon through Heaven's Ward. So looking forward to that. Yeah, for sure. So Jen, what happened last time? Last time was our third and final conclusion to the Starting City quests. Started in Gridania. We did the Gridania stuff. We saved them from some bullshit. When I say bullshit, I mean an Asian. And they are like, oh my god, you're awesome. Be our uh, our spokesperson and invite the other um, heads of state to a uh, anniversary party. Battle of Cartano anniversary party. Here's a ticket to get on an airship. This is super privileged. And um, thank you, goodbye. And now we embark on inviting the other people to this thing. Yeah. We apparently both decided to keep our Gordania characters. So we both go and see Mother Miyun for the final briefing before we get um, airborne. Mother congratulates us on our appointment as an emissary and gives us a brief primer on the other city-states we'll be visiting. It's finally time to get airborne. Oh, uh, yeah. Time to get high. Time to get high. Nice. 
The airship landing in Gridania is conveniently located below the inn. Less convenient is the fact you can't jump over that balcony to get to the lower level. Fucking kind of nanny state garbage is this. Right? So we got to go all the way around and walk down the stairs like a fucking chump to get down to the landing. Once we do, we go through the gate and we arrive at the airship. The airships in this game have a very distinct design. They are a, a big boat, which is normal for Final Fantasy airships. But these have like little tiny wings and sails and a big gas bag. I feel like I made the gas bag joke way back when we first started in Wulda. Uh, is that the first one we did? Yes. Yeah, yeah. There was a, there was a gas bag joke made. Sure. This is kind of like a belt and suspenders and overalls for the airship. What if you just have a problem with pants? All right. They do. <laughs> if pants were flying. Uh, Redundancy is okay. <laughs> yes. Also, the wings, I'm pretty sure, are just for maneuvering since they're like really tiny, spindly guys. Yes. Yeah. The levitation is from the gas, gas bag. bag. The airship cutscenes in this game drive me crazy, though. Because the characters on board will stand... Just stock still, dead center, and there's no railing. No. There, there's no uh, lanyard or seatbelt. And the airship swerves is, and it's, dips it's, and flips, yeah, it, and they just stand there on the deck like... Badasses. You think I'm going to fall off of this bitch? Think I'm going to obey the laws of gravity? <laughs> think again. No, I wish that they would put seats on the damn thing. <laughs> Or make like a holding on to something emote or just not show the people on board because seeing later on like five people standing straight rod up your ass stiff on, on the deck as the airship like tilts and swoops up or down. I wish there was at least like a door. Yep. So if you do tumble, uh, you don't slide off of the airship immediately and die. It's got its own local gravity. Oh, it's yeah. fine. Yeah. Got <laughs> grav boots. So we board the airship and are waved off by the characters we've met so far. We get a goodbye from Papalimo and Ida, Kuplo Cop. And Mion and um, was it uh, Bolord, Lewin, a couple of other folks. We've got a, a, a hearer there. We got some wood whalers there. That's that's actually my favorite part. I mean, there's there aren't a lot of parts to have as a favorite in the getting on an airship and flying away scene. Uh, I love that. I love that everybody you've met along the way so far is coming out to wish you well and good luck on your on your envoy endeavors and fare thee well and Godspeed and all, all these things. Like, it's like you're going on a cruise. We are. Yeah, I like that a lot. It always makes me a little teary for some reason. That's okay. Thanks. I'll give you that. As we're leaving, we cut away to... Castrum Oxidens. It's it's like a literally, it's a, uh, meanwhile, in Castrum Oxidens. There's a nice pair. Good, good sound. Thank you. There's a, a nice pairing because we see our airship swoop away, and then we cut to the Garlean uh, airship coming in. Yeah. Castrum Oxidens is a imperial fortress located in eastern La Nosia. This Garlean airship is just landing. This thing is hardcore. Full metal, Magitech, no risk of falling off. They have safety standards in Garlemald, obviously. Not a gas bag in sight. Nope. Unless you're Nero. <laughs> nice. <laughs> the airship lands, the ramp 
descends. Out of it emerges Gaius Van Balesar. He has a, a band of fearsome fellows with him. We have not met these people yet, or, or even seen them. We have not met these Imperials yet, besides Gaius, but they all look very intimidating. Each has a custom set of elaborate armor. Indeed. My favorite is Nero's. He's got the red suit with the lacquered plates, and his helm is vaguely draconian mm -hmm. with the sweeping spines. I think it looks... It's pretty sick. Yeah, probably the best of all of them, in my opinion. Absolutely. Well, I mean, the colorway for one, but he's also got a very interesting mix of materials because his helmet looks organic, almost like it's a skull of some kind and not, you know, forged. It still has the Darth Vader voice modulator, whatever the fuck, built into it to obscure his real voice, but... Yeah. Eorzea, a blighted realm, riddled with false gods. Twice now it has eluded the Empire's grasp. For all the destruction it wrought, even Meteor, the Great Sin, failed to yield us control over it. As he descends, Gaius starts off with a monologue on brand about a prior assault on Western Eorzea. No, not the meteor, the other one. <laughs> yes. He talks about the Imperial assault 15 years ago, which resulted in the Battle of Silver Tier Skies. Fortunately, we don't need a full episode to talk about this one. <laughs> or don't we? <laughs> no, we don't. Um, Maybe, but it's mostly spoilers at this point. So, the Battle of Silver Tier Skies. We see a brief glimpse of this here with a full motion video. We see the Imperial flagship, the Agrius, which is a, a massive construct, which is the flagship of the fleet um, that is assaulting Eorzea. And the airship is attacked by the dragon Midgar Sormer, who is a great he's like a snake almost in terms of just his length and coiling body and he entwines the airship bringing it down into a massive crash and explosion and this is in brief the battle itself what's happened here is that soon after gaius led the 14th legion in the conquest of alamigo they turned their attention to the rest of eorzea the imperials aided by their flagship the agrias launched an assault which passed through Mordona. Unfortunately for them, this attack aroused the wrath of the dragon Midgar Sormer, who had slept within Silvertear Lake for ages. This creature was a myth, essentially. He's called the Father of Dragons, and his existence was essentially the thing of legends. But this giant airship passing right over his bed, effectively, woke him up, and he raised a call to all nearby dragonkind, and they all rose to attack this giant airship. Yeah, fuck you. Fuck you. Midgar Sormer himself attacks the Agrius and brings it down. However, the exploding Ceruleum tanks inside the airship kill Midgar Sormer at the same time. Mm. The airship crashes, Midgar Sormer dies, and we can still see today the ruins of the ship, and the dragon's body in Silvertear Lake. Coiled around it. And Jen, side note, I had heard the name of the raid Coils before I actually got to it, and I was positive that Coils would have something to do with this dragon in this ruin. Right? Because the dragon is literally coiled yeah. around the airship, so it's like, yeah, we're going to go in that thing. Nope. Nope. <laughs> 
so this unforeseen attack by the dragons completely blunted the imperial assault and forced them to withdraw until their next attack, which was led by Nail, and we talked about at length last episode. Right. It's good. Nice. I learned stuff. That's Silver Tear. We're not done with that story yet, but it's going to be a long time on the back burner before we get back to it. After ruminating about Silver Tear, Gaius goes on to recount the failure at the Battle of Cartineau. But now, this time, this assault, he's got a plan. <laughs> Third time's the charm, etc. This conquest will not fail. In the distance, during this speech, we see a few dorky-looking Magitek airships carrying some suspended form between them. The object is vaguely reptilian in shape, but it's made of artificial materials, metal, or composites. Yep. And then it's gone. Probably not a big deal. It's fine. Probably nothing. Let's talk about this Magitek, though. These airships, called Juggernauts, are the dorkiest things, in my opinion. Oh, the um, the vertical ones. Yes. <laughs> They're like vertical tubes with these pairs of little tiny wings. Okay. And a, a big gear wheel turning constantly at their base and their, their big legs. They feel like they should not exist in this world. They're like airships modeled after a bacteriophage or something. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it reminds me also of what's the, 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 the lake in the volcano? Crater Lake. Crater Lake. There's a, a log and I think it's called Old Man of the Lake, something like that, where it's floating vertically in the water. So you'll see like three or four feet of it sticking up outside of the water. And then the, the other like 20, 25 feet is just like stick straight down into the water, which is very strange. And it's been floating around like that in the lake for decades. And I remember probably 20 years ago, 25 years ago, I was on a camping trip with my family and we went on a little tour in the lake and we got to see the old. It's the weirdest thing to see a log floating vertically and nothing has caused it to just suddenly upend. No weather, no tumultuous winds, or a shitty tourist or anything. Well, they don't allow their boats in there, but still, somebody could kick it. I don't know. It's, it's, just, it's still vertical. So that's what it reminds me of. Cool. Fair, also. So while Gaius' crew is busy sucking up to him about his brilliant plans, we cut over to the worst spy ever. There's a pair of people dressed in Garlean uniforms. The The lily soldiers don't have the cool armor. They get like these dorky little tunics and their pot helms. Yep. And one guy's like, so how about that plan, eh? I think it's kind of dumb. Why is, he, why is he doing this plan? Because the last one didn't really work out. And the guy next to him, the actual Garlean engineer, is saying, we, we talked about this. There were, there were meetings. There were memos. <laughs> So what's, uh, as he like leans his like sternum as close to the other guy's mouth as possible. So, so what's the, what's the plan here? If you could give me a little outline of what's going on, say it maybe a little bit louder. Pretty much. Into my chest piece. This spy gets busted by this cool guy um, in, in the red so, plate armor. So the red guy. So they're having their little back and forth and then uh, you, like a... <clears throat> What's this you got to say about Lord Belzar's plan? And they're like, oh, fuck. And you see Nero without his helmet. And I'm like, oh, I love you so much. Yeah, Nero, he is super hot. Oh, it's a tall drink of water, that guy. 
chiseled face, short blonde there's, hair. There's something about him. Like he's his aesthetic is so unlike anybody else in the game. Not a lot of blondes also for some reason. I don't know. For some reason, he's just just mm, mm. he's got that gold third eye. Those, those striking blue eyes. Yep. The stubble that never goes away. He questions the um, the two engineers and the spy does his best to answer, but he gets called out by Nero, who executes him on the spot. Yes, who they're, where they're from. Where were you born? One, the other guy, the non-spy, is Othard, a place we don't know. And the other guy says, Alamigo, another place we don't know. And Nero says, oh, codename Hummingway, I presume. And that's when he knows he's fucking busted and then he dies. Yep. And then the legit engineer gets stuck on cleanup duty. <laughs> a very, a very cliche exchange. So it was my impression, actually, that this interrogation was for show, pretty much, because Nero makes a reference to the, I, I don't know how this is pronounced properly, but the frumentarium. Frumentarium. I don't know what that is either. This is based on the Roman frumentari, which is the Roman intelligence agency. Oh, okay. And the frumentarium is the spy network, the intelligence network for the Garleans. Uh-huh. Which comes up surprisingly little in this game. <laughs> You'd think it'd be a big deal because it sounds super cool, but it's hardly ever Right? Yes. You referenced. have like the CIA of Garleans? Yes. Cool. That's the only time I can remember seeing that word. So it was my impression that Nero knew about this before the interrogation because mm -hmm. this reference and mm -hmm. just like trying to jerk this guy around a bit. Oh sure. Yeah. Enough name drop on Nero. Let's talk about Nero. Since we meet him here officially, he gets his name ID'd on his dialogue boxes. Um, this dashing tyrant is Nero <laughs> Toskeva. Uh, Nero is the Carlean version of a self-made man. He was born into poverty, but through hard work and bootstraps, he was admitted to the Magitech Academy, essentially a science and engineering school. Nero is brilliant, but he's stymied at every turn by Sid Garland the son of the famous Minus Non-Garland. Mm -hmm. Nero is constantly eclipsed by Sid, and it makes him furious. Sid came into privilege because he has his established family name, and Nero worked for everything he has, or that's how he sees it. So he hates Sid with a passion. He even mentions this in this dialogue. We don't know who this guy is. And in his dialogue, Nero, after he puts his helmet on, um, like I'm fucking coming after like, you know, you're, you're going to see what I've done here, Garland, and you're going to be really jealous. Yeah. Yeah. And we're like, who, what? Okay. <laughs> yep. No, it, it runs deep. He's got to throw that guy's name under the bus when at every opportunity. And A lot of name drops here, which went over my head entirely the first time. Yeah. No, didn't pick up in this. I'm like, okay, cool. He's got beef with some guy. Apparently, whatever. Didn't think about it again yep. until, until it comes back up, but. Nero is here because he joined the Imperial Army, um, in part due to his desire to have first dibs on any elegant artifacts that they come across, as Nero's specialty is reverse engineering. Hmm. So that's the cutscene, that's the Garleans, what they're up to now. And for me, this is when I actually got a taste of Final Fantasy for the first time versus regular fantasy. Because until now, we've been in some seriously you know, low-tech cities, right? Yes. There's no sign of any technology except for maybe like an A elevator that's winch-operated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then... we, we have mills, wind and water variety. 
We have gas bags. <laughs> we have etherites. <laughs> it's all very kind of medieval tier low tech. But then, bam, we're here in this castrum with its mass-produced modular metal walls and everyone in this, these hardcore uniforms carrying gun blades around with these high-tech ships. So there we go. This is the Final Fantasy. This is the tech and magic mix that we expect. We did it. So that's all happening behind the scenes while we're flying over to our first city, which is Limsa Lamensa. That's correct. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> we know these cities like the back of our hands now, but it's a lot to take in as a new player. And if you are canny, you'll go around and attune to the Aetherites there so you can teleport back there in the future and not have to airship it up. And you also have to stop by Dodozan at the Hawker's Alley, do his little quest so you get the uh, the dance. Yeah, yeah, of course. You got to do that. We've already visited these cities in depth on the podcast, so we'll just breeze past them for now. We beeline to Bulwark, Bulwark Hall, Hall yeah. which is where we meet Admiral Merylvib. Nope. Bulwark Hall is the like the um the little antechamber it connects you to the etherite plaza it connects you to the gate out into lenosia because the the admiral's office is not in bulwark hall you have to get to bulwark hall speak to a lift attendant and then he will take you to the admiral's quarters excuse me jen been busted oh, for this God, we're trying to be like accurate here <laughs> well i was trying to save some time but apparently we lost it instead See what happens? <laughs> we try to rush through shit. So we do those things Jen said. <laughs> <laughs> and then we meet Admiral Merylvib. I am Melvib Blufisvin, Admiral of Limso Lominsa, and Commander of the Maelstrom. Now, what news from the Black Shroud? She gives us some words about the Battle of Cartineau and the need for the Eorzean leaders to unite against its various threats. And so she accepts our invitation. Okay, and moving on. Next stop, Ulda. So we leave Admiral's quarters. We go back to the lift inside the bulwark. I'm, I, I'm just trying to be accurate it's here, Jen. It's bulwark hall, not the bulwark. I was going to say the bulwark hall, but you interrupted me, so... You can just say bulwark hall, not the bulwark hall. Excuse me. I, I have to it's be... It's just weird... More pedantic now to avoid offending Jen. The only thing I had issue with was the fact that you insinuated that the Admiral was just chilling in Bulwark Hall. Like, no, this is, that was like, it's like a town square. We walk 10 yalms to the lift to the airship landing. Mm -hmm. We take the lift up by speaking to the lift attendant. What's his name? Oh no, busted. Shh, you fucking asshole. What is his name, Jen? Xanthiel. Is it really? I'm pretty sure it's that. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, we, we go to Uldad next and have the same thing. Merylvib has asked us to give Raban a, a message. The wolf has been sniffing around the stables. She says it's a jest, a private joke. Surely nothing to do with Gaius von Belzar, <clears throat> the black wolf. <laughs> no. It's so, it's so cryptic. What could she mean? We meet General Raban, Raban, trusted advisor to the Sultana. Ah, a guest from Gridania. I thought I smelled leaf mold. I won't hold it against you. If you're half the warrior Kane says, tis a wonder you don't reek of dead Ixal. 
he talks more about the threats to Eorzea, and he notes that the realm would fall if the Guardians attack because they are united in name only. But the Calamity and their having to pull back and rebuild has weakened the city-states. So mm-hmm. they are no match for the Empire. So yes, he will sign off on this meeting. He will tell the Sultana himself so we can unite and strengthen our bonds against the dangers and the threats to come. Sounds good. Yeah. We have our buy-in now from the other city-states. But wait, we got news of an, a job for us, an adventurer. <gasps> I'm an adventurer? Good thing, too. Because the guard outside of the hall we meet Raban in, he's like, hey, you know, Baderon over at the Drowned Winch in Limsa Lominsa is looking for adventurers. Bitch, I'm an envoy now. <laughs> if you've attuned to the Limsa Aetherite, you can just teleport over there or save a buck and you can fly by airship. I had made myself broke at this point in time in my first playthrough by doing crafting. So I was on... <laughs> Chocobo rides and Fairies. airships, yes, <laughs> for a bit that until sucks. I unlocked retainers and then got rich. There you go, as you do. As you do. Baderon is our streetwise former sellsword tavern proprietor and former hookup for our Limson characters. He's got a job for us now, but it's not for the faint of heart. Perfect. Good thing we're not that. Good thing. Baderon has heard word of some suspicious characters that have been sneaking around the Sestasha Seagrot, and he wants us to investigate. Before he can give us more details, though, the Yellowjacket captain Rayner butts in. He tells us that an unknown vessel has been sighted off the coast in the vicinity. He had a group go investigate. They didn't turn anything up, though, besides a Curl family that was nesting there. But given that more activity has been sighted in the vicinity, he thinks there's more going on. Their resources are stretched so thin. And to determine if they need to take further action themselves to get a third party just to take a look-see to see, do we need to escalate this to the Yellow Jackets or not? I think that's fair. I got your third party right here. Oh, and he flexes. I thought you were going to point to your crotch. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we hop on a ferry to Aleport, located on the coast of western Lanosia. Aleport is named as such because this is where ships will go to stock up on ale for long sea voyages. Nice. Limsa outsourced the ale trade here because they were trying to relieve traffic from Limsa's port. So they, they're like, okay, so you go to Limsa for your other trade and go to Aleport for your ale trade. That's so funny. Just some strategic traffic management. I mean, that means that uh, ships rolling up just to stock up on ale is enough of a chunk of their port business that they needed to send them off to a completely different location. Well, Jen, on long sea voyages, especially without modern containment and refrigeration, uh, water can go bad, Jin. You get gunk growing in it. You got, you got your Legionnaire's disease, which we had. Did in- you did you look up like old timey maritime diseases for this? No, I did not actually, Jen, because we had the same issue here in Portland as during the um, COVID lockdown. All these commercial buildings were not being used, so there was this stuff growing in the pipes in these buildings because no one was in them running the water. No way. Yes. Holy shit. Okay. Old timey, like three years ago. Legionnaire's disease. It's, uh, to be fair, that's not a disease you hear of very frequently. 
it's tangentially related, but that's how we got IPAs. I didn't know that, but it makes perfect sense. On the long sea journeys where we've got, you know, a regular PA, pale ale, um, from, from India to the rest of, you know, to the West, essentially, they would overload the, the stock with hops to keep it from spoiling, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's, we do that now on purpose because we like how it tastes. Well, some of us do. Fun facts. Yes. Well, that concludes the edutainment corner. Legionnaire's disease and IPAs. Yeah. Back to the game. Cool. The game wants us to hit up the Hall of the Novice before we get dungeoning. This is a small building set into the cliffside, not too far from Sestasha, though you can access it from anywhere, any um, any starting in, like Adventurer's Guild. There's a... Uh, a, um, a the Smith. A, a the Smith. Not an ambassador, but a representative. Yep. Uh, you can find them everywhere. I have to say, if you're a new player, do the Hall of Novice. Fucking do it when they tell you to do it. Go in, say hello to the adventurer person that you have to connect with so you can continue with your Sestasha stuff. Immediately sign up for the Hall of Novice. Do that shit and do the rest of us a favor. Um, And yourself. uh, Exactly. Oh my gosh. Uh, I did that even after spending a thousand hours in game, I started to tank. I had never done tanking. I did Hall of Novice for tanking and I was like, wow, these are some really helpful fundamentals. Bam, done. Yeah, it's... Great. And you get you get some cool gear, you know, especially for a beginner. You have some nice, you'll get a nice outfit out of it. They're really good tutorials for group play. So good job game for that. Yes. And the gear is super good for that level. Yeah. And if you level up another class, like if you are playing Dragoon and you switch over to Monk, for instance, you're going to want to pop on those brand new clothes. Indeed. And also, um, the ring you get for doing this, the brand new ring, Mm -hmm. it is super powerful. Exactly. It's got great stats and XP boost too. It's worth doing even for an experienced player because that ring is bomb. Yeah, that ring will carry you through a lot of levels. Also, the big fucking sign outside, the the Hall of Novice, like, sign, is really pretty. (laughs) (laughs) It's just really pretty. Go there. See the sign. See the sign. Which is a sprout. It's so cute. Oh, it's precious. And it's got these like cut green, you know, stones hanging, you know, kind of pendanted off of it. And it's this beautiful carved wood. And I just really enjoy it. Cool. Yeah. So once we do our tutorials and get geared up with our brand new gear, we arrive outside of the Sestasha surface entrance in the inland cliffs of Western Lanosia. There's a small base camp here and a handful of yellow jackets. Sestasha is a natural cave. It was formed by the sea's waters over the ages. Its name means many shells in the Sahagan tongue. Well, the first the first chunk of the dungeon is is almost like you're underwater. Yes. Under the sea. Do, do. Thank you, Jen. Yeah. But more background first before the of present. Of course. No, we've got some people to talk to out in front of this cave. Not even that. If you'd cool your jets there, Jen. I don't want to cool my jets. Oh, my God. My jets are on fire. Well, cool them with this hot knowledge. <laughs> 50 years ago, the pirate king Mistbeard, who we might recall from mm. talking about Merylvib, Merylvib has his pistols. Yes. The legend continues. Indeed. But Mistbeard used this place as a hideout and did so until he vanished mysteriously about 20 years ago. Hmm. 
We can assume that the infrastructure we see in here was built by Mistbeard's crew and not the current inhabitants. Speaking of though, let's go over the current power players. Aside from a handful of wildlife, the main occupants are the Serpent Reavers. These guys came up in the Limsa storyline. Mm -hmm. They are the pirates who are thralled to the Sahagin. And they usually sport these azure face tattoos. We'll take a deeper look at the Sahagin when we become embroiled with them much later on. But for now, we know that they're a race of fish people that have long been at odds with Limsa. Now then, outside the entrance, we come across a few characters. Got a couple people sitting by a fire, chilling. Um, we have a, a small party of adventurers, a healer, a tank, a, and a couple DPSs. And if you go over, and it's not like they have a side quest bubble over them or anything. They just You can see their names, and you can talk to them. Just for thoroughness sake, these guys are important. We have here Edda, who is a conjurer, Avir, a gladiator, Liavin, an archer, and Pio Ryo, a thaumaturge. Note these guys for the future. These guys are obviously very new. They're new as a party. They're new as adventurers. They're new as, as new as can be. Etta is huffing and puffing. Apparently, she just ran there. And she was trying to secure some potions. They wanted to get into Sastasha and do this adventure and get paid for it. Etta came late. She had trouble securing potions because she doesn't know how to fucking haggle. And Avir is pissed off at her for taking so long. Also, she can't really heal very well. So she's about as good as the money in her pocket. Rude. Leavin and Peoreo are much more casual. I think Peoreo has like a drink in his hand. I think Leavin is also drunk at this point. Yes. Yeah. And she's like, oh my God, we're going to make so much money as adventurers, you guys. Oh my God. And Peoreo is similarly just like, woo. Meanwhile, Etta and Avir are having like a moment. Like, all right, you guys want to take, have a private discussion? So that's what you get from them. And we'll see them later on. Yep. So let's get dungeoning at yeah! last. Yeah. My first time playing the game, I was so impatient for a dungeon. You were insufferable. The content when is... When do I get to do stuff? I'm like, there's so much stuff. We're doing all so, so much stuff. Everything to this point is super easy. For some of you, the rest of us are having a great time talking to people and running around town and poking animals. <laughs> That does not mean it's hard, though, and I was hungry for something to sink my teeth into. Sestasha is not hard. Nope. Uh, in, in the scale of things, it's a, a good first dungeon, I think. But it's, it's not anywhere close to the, the top of the, the content in terms of complexity or depth. No, I mean, the story around our little mission here is, is basically side quest worthy. It's just, it's just a cute little thing. Like, go in and, and see what's going on in this cave. Really doesn't have any major repercussions to the MSQ at large. But anyone who even has played other MMOs, this still gives you a taste of what this game plays like in a group. Mm -hmm. Even if you're a pro gamer or whatever, you know, one of those those types. Yeah. This playthrough, I'm using the duty support system, which is the NPC group of AI controlled characters that will join you for these main story quest dungeons. And frankly, group content is more fun with real people, in my opinion, than totally. with NPCs. Yeah. I understand it's there to um, help new players to uh, get their toes wet without having to deal with people who might be impatient or... Toxic. Yeah. 
But overall, especially like if you say I'm new here, people will usually be very supportive they and helpful. They will fully embrace that. Yes. Yes. I would say for a long time on my first playthrough, first time here, let me know if there's something I need to know about this dungeon. Yeah. And as long as you're communicative, if you go in and keep your mouth shut and you have never tanked before, <clears throat> Jen, no, no, no. I was very vocal about like, I don't know this. That's it, really. Just tell everybody. Just be like, be honest. And as somebody who has done a number of these dungeons multiple times, when I join one that has a new person and they're like, I'm new. I've never done this before. I'm so excited. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, I get to see it fresh through their eyes once again and hold their hand and tell them how well they're doing and give them a little commendation and love it. Yeah. But for this playthrough, to get the full story experience, I am using the trusts, not the trusts, um, the duty support, because these characters have their own dialogue. And I have found out that for Sestasha, it's very shallow, but there are um, actually story-relevant comments coming from NPCs later on. So I will suffer through these single-pulling, low-DPS chumps. For <laughs> they might the... pull two things at a time. Yes. Yeah. Well, single group pulling. Mm-hmm. I, no, I know. I, what I said was not very charitable either. They don't just pull one thing. Sometimes they pull two. <laughs> That's nice. the joke. Yeah. Yep. For this dungeon, there they have no names. I was hoping for like some characters we met along the way Me to appear. Too. We have the known personas though, such as Eager Conjurer and <clears throat> Eager Eager Thaumaturge. Yep. Although Sustasha is not that interesting, mechanically speaking, it is a visual treat. Uh, like you were alluding to earlier, Jen, we walk into a cavern that is full of bioluminescent sea life. Mm -hmm. We have corals and anemones and seaweed all vibing in this environment. Yeah, it's very pretty. We should note that in this game, aquatic life exists on land a lot of the time. Yep. You know, we've got... You know, brain corals that are filtering out, sustaining ether. I, I don't know. Sure. Yeah. Probably yes. Probably yes. The first stretch is a fairly linear stone path running through all this life. We fight some jellyfish and some bats along the way. A, a DPS from the group should branch off, though, into the first side cavern, because in this room, there is a note on the ground, which has some bad pirate English and a color on it. You'll need that later. Mine said, the captain likes his cabbage green. Ah, cute. I had red, spelled with two Ds. Cool. Yeah. So note the color, everything else is irrelevant. And then we pass the first stretch and come into a giant partially submerged cave. This is under the sea. So then we have like these outcroppings just covered in bioluminescent coral and plants and animals. <laughs> so pretty. And then we also have paths of colorful, I don't know, like lily pads. They look lily pad-esque. That's not what they are, but... They're corals. Oh, okay. Well, it's rude to step on them, but um, we <laughs> do. Um, and they're like every color of the rainbow, and they're super pretty. And you'll be fighting little, um, to the little tiny um, luminescent moats and uh, giant clams and uh, little, little crabby dudes yeah. and jellyfish and stuff. 
the main thing here are the clams because the clams will summon these little fire sprite guys the um the shade seekers yeah when they open up and and the clams open and close and when they're closed they're invulnerable you're going to want to burn the clams when they open up and not let them close again and deny you that precious time and also not spawn a new wave of the shade seekers yeah they take less than a hit to go down a piece but there's like 20 of them also and very few players will have an aoe at this point exactly yeah after traversing the cave, we end up at a dead end with three big glowing coral formations. This is where that note comes into play. One is red, one is blue, and one is green. If you pick the wrong one, it's okay. You just have to fight some shit. And you have to do that until you get to the right one. But because we're paying attention, we press the right one, and a switch appears. We press that, and out pops their pet curl, Chopper. Chopper. Who is a, a jumbo-sized curl. Jumbo. The the big like cheetahs with the whippy paralyzing tendrils. Yeah. This guy is a super easy fight. His only mechanic is he drops a big area of effect on him that will paralyze you if you get hit by it. If your tank's on it, they will stun him during this move so you can keep your DPS up and burn him fast. Yeah. Once that's done, we leave the facade of the caves and get to the pirate den. Mm-hmm. This is a secret area. Now we go from this bioluminescent splendor to these dingy dark halls covered in crates. Fucking pirate caves. Pirates of the Caribbean shit. After taking down the first group of pirates, including a dog, we run into the boss of this place. This is... Captain Madison? Captain Madison. Madison, despite being the captain, is not very remarkable. He's a pirate guy with a cutlass and shield. He's got his pet pink colibri. It's cute. Yeah, which is like a toucan. Uh, yeah, just a bright pink toucan. This bird will taunt everyone during the fight. Mm-hmm. Little asshole. Yep. Doesn't know allegiance, just fuck everyone. Wants to watch the world burn. Mm-hmm. Madison is a former merchant navigator that disappeared a decade ago to escape some gambling debts. We can infer he got scooped up in the meantime by the Serpent Reavers and is now fully Sahagen-pilled. Mm-hmm. On to the actual fight. This is the most tank and spank boss fight in the game. There's no gimmicks, no no special area of effects, whatever. Just nope. your, your tank goes up, hits the, the pirate Captain Madison and his two pirate buddies, and then you burn them down. Good to go. Captain Madison will not die at this point. He will run. run. You'll follow him and you'll meet another band of Serpent Reaver jerks. Yeah. So after chasing Madison, we come to the main cave of the pirate section. This is a, a giant room that is full of crates and sacks and barrels. It's kind of built out. You know, yes. they got a whole thing up there. It's almost like a tavern. There are prisoners here, too. There is some implicitly dark dialogue mm-hmm. that they drop here. Mm-hmm. This game is not for children. <laughs> yeah, it's rated mature. Mm-hmm. There are a ton of side caverns from this main cave, which you will never see, probably, unless you try, because groups will go for the two critical path points, and that's it. You will learn the optimal paths that will let you fight the least amount of people possible. So, But when you're with somebody new, they're probably going to pull everything in the room. And it'll be a valuable lesson in you know, maybe pulling too much or pulling what you pulling things you don't need to pull. 
um, and learning how to that you do have that flexibility, at least in a Realm Reborn, you have choices on what you can skip because they changed it now where you do not get XP from killing mobs in dungeons. So you do not have to pull everything if you don't have to, which is great. If you are playing with a, a good group, yes. In this room, there are pirates and there are dogs, comma, scurvy. <laughs> scurvy. Yes. The, the main hang up are the archers because they will hang back and shoot you. Yeah. So you want to hit them and then you want to go around a corner to force them to close with you. Yeah, they're annoying. There are two places to hit on the critical path, but we are going to hit them all because we're doing this thoroughly, Jen. Darn tootin'. Yeah. So the first room at 12 o'clock is the rower's quarters. This has two pirates just hanging out. Boring. <laughs> the next one clockwise is the deckhand's quarters. There are a lot of crates, sacks, and barrels in here, as is the decor. This group, though, will fight each other. Like, we get there and the fight breaks out inside the room. That's great. Next up is the hole. Just a big prison cave with a barred locked gate at the entrance. Prisoner maids inside. Next room is on the critical path. This is the locked captain's quarters. It's opened by a um, captain's quarters key that's dropped by one of the pirates outside. Mm -hmm. um, inside is a big Rogadin Reaver who drops the Wave Rider gate key. Yeah. You kill the guys outside, get the key. Open the captain's quarters. Captain's quarters, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Captain's quarters key, go into that room, defeat this guy. He is not a big deal. He's just beefy looking. He drops a key, you get that key. And then you can go on to the next area. Yes. Yes. But the last optional room is the navigator's quarters. I've never been in any of these rooms. <laughs> not even on your... I uh, may, I may have. But even then, if I, it was the first time they didn't have duty support, so you have to play with other PCs. Yes. Um, I say that like that's like a bad thing. You have to play with other people. So odds are, I got somebody who had done, who has done this fifty times, and they're not going to be running around opening up all the doors willy nilly. So with trust, though, they will go where you go, and they don't get mad at you for taking notes while you're. It's a huge reason why you yeah you want to do the trust or the duty support. If you want to explore, because there are a lot of dungeons that have little bits of lore, notes or um, artifacts or things that will expand the story. And if you're in a PC group or, you know, a duty finder group, you will not have any time to read any of those things. Nobody has the patience to sit there and wait for you to read this shit. So, um, yeah, do the duty support and, and look at all the things. So the Navigator's Quarters is just another storage room. With a few pirates laying. Right. Yep. Kill guys. I mean, it made sense back in the day when you did get XP from these things, but... Maybe it's... I don't it, know. Not very much still. But also, I mean, there's a little bit of a puzzle here, I guess, if you could even call it that. So I feel like I can't get in this room, so I'm going to go in this room and try to find a thing that'll get me into the room. I guess it makes sense. Sure. Yeah. Anyway, though, um, the Wave Rider gate, which is opened by the Wave Rider key we just grabbed, is on the critical path so we kill the chumps in front and then we open the gate and we're on the final stretch now we run into captain madison captain madison part two this time with dogs <laughs> madison is waiting for us with two new flunkies it's the same thing again so we roll up roll up and fight the trio and the birds assassin us in the meantime mm -hmm. but when he gets hurt a bit he calls in his dogs from a nearby room. Four dogs rush in. 
this is really good for a first dungeon because this is the same fight as the first time, but with a twist. With ads. So you're adding in complexity for first time players. And the dogs are going to go for the healer most likely because they have gained aggro from healing. So it's the tank's job to intercept them. Perfect practice. They, they are not tough at all. They go down in a couple hits. No. but it's, it's, it's just getting used to the, that mechanic. Exactly. Oh, it's a little great. bit of step up complexity tutorial. Mm-hmm. And most dungeons will do that too. They'll introduce a mechanic and they'll build and build and build. Yep. Usually with a higher floor, but <laughs> right. still. Yeah. So we kill his guards, we kill the dogs, and Captain Madison runs away again. It's like, how about a parlay? <laughs> Past the last cave, the area opens up into the sea. We can see a concealed bay in the distance and a pirate ship sitting in the waters beyond. We fight through a handful of remaining pirates and get to the landing area where Madison's waiting for us for his last stand. But wait, there's Sahagin. As we approach him, a giant Sahagin jumps out of the water and cuts down Madison. Just like that. Madison and the Sahagin are on the same side because the Serpent Reavers are, you know, beholden to the Sahagin. Yeah. So uh, he seems to be tired of Madison being... A piece of shit, worthless guy, and is like you're you're done done to me. You're dead to me. You're, well, you're you're dirtying up our spawning grounds, and I'm I'm not having it anymore. I think he was yelling at us for that. No, this is when Captain Madison in the in the cutscene right before the final boss fight. Captain Madison is standing in front of the Sahagan, and the Sahagan basically says like I'm I'm tired of you sullying or otherwise fucking up our spawning grounds you have no respect bam slashy slash dead bam slashy slash dead and the boss is den the orca toothed he threatens that the lord of the world will sup upon our souls not today here's our last boss den has a couple of telegraphed aoe's but no big deal Easy to dodge. Mm-hmm. The main mechanic here is there are four metal grates in the arena, and they will start to bubble. What the game wants you to do is to go and whack those bubbles and make them be quiet. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, then smaller Sahagin will pop out and join the fight. However, a group that is halfway decent can just focus fire on the boss and take him down before these ads come into you play. Don't, yeah, you don't even have to worry about it. Just focus fire. Blah, 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 blah. Even if the ads start coming at you, just yep. f- keep focusing on Den. It's fine. It's fine. It's the first dungeon. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's it. Then we get our loot. Yes, we do. Yeah. We triumphantly leave the dungeon and report back to Baderon. And we find him there with a couple hopeful adventurers who are too late to the game. Unfortunately. And they're very good sports about it. Um, they're not mildly shitty, like the Edda group, but the uh, the head guy, he's a, he, he looks like a paladin. He has very fancy, holy-looking paladin armor on. And his name is Dolorous Bear. And he's speaking with Baderon, and Baderon's like, I'm sorry, man, I, I, you know, the position has been filled, essentially. Oh, and the person who filled the position, there she is, or there they are. And the guy's like, oh, man, we really dragged our feet on this one. But while I'm talking to you, do you have goals? (laughs) Let me tell you about goals and how important they are to an adventurer. They are the arms and armor of your soul, they are. 
This feels like a motivational speaker. Absolutely. No, it's a pep talk. Yes. 100%. Yeah. Well, not not just a pep talk, like a corporate pep talk where they, they pick like one concept mm-hmm. and they, they like hammer it in. Yes. It's all about the goals. It's all about Six Sigma. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. That's a deep cut. Oh, yeah. We just we get a rousing pep talk about setting personal goals. Well, <laughs> sucks to be you, other adventurers. Try getting up two hours earlier. Gotta get up pretty early in the morning to defeat this adventurer. Well, they're very nice about it. I'm like, well, on to the next one. They're very eager. When I was trying to buy my first car, um, I was doing the whole like calling the classifieds thing back Another then. Another deep cut. Yes. <laughs> Um, and like I, I called one guy and he was like, man, <laughs> let me tell you something about deals. And he goes on to like lecture poor teenage me about trying to, I don't, I don't know, like close a deal quickly or like not, not wait on a deal or something. I, I call him asking <laughs> if the car is still available and if I can come check it out. And he jumps out of nowhere on this lecture about needing to be on it and like be fast and like how to do business. This was a private seller? Yes. I, I call this guy on the landline. Some like gruff, older sounding guy answers. He's like, man, let me tell you about making a deal. Okay. Like, I don't know. I just wanted a car. Pretty much. I have some money <laughs> to give you. He, he sold it. So I was, I was too late to the game. Man. Rip. Well, that was a lesson. You need to be faster when you want to make some fucking deals. Yeah. Anyway, um, hot on the heels of this success, Baderon tells us, the up-and-comer, the deal-maker, that our friend Mother Miyun in Gridania has a job for us. Hey, hey. And that's where we'll hop off this time. There it is. We did our first dungeon. So, Jen, what do you think about the content today? It's good. <clears throat> Great. I was disappointed by the dungeon NPC flavor text. I was expecting more from what I've seen in later content I've done um, with the trust system. Yeah. They they made a patch after putting out the duty support MSQ stuff to add in dialogue. And, and maybe it gets better, but like these were superficial, non... Super generic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I didn't pay attention to what they were saying because I honestly didn't expect them to say anything. It's still nice to be able to walk around and not have to worry about keeping up with the group because I, I'm poking in every corner and I'm, I'm checking stuff and making notes along the way. Mm-hmm. So that's appreciated. But the character of these eager adventurers is lacking. Well, maybe in the next dungeon, which is coming up immediately after this one, uh, their dialogue will get a little bit more uh, satisfying for you. But are they more eager adventurers or what? Yes. Great. <laughs> so probably not. Well, we'll see. We will see. Next time, we'll be talking about the Paladin job quest through level 50. In the main story quest episode two weeks out, we get some more dungeons. We'll be playing through both the Tam Tower Deepcroft and Copperbell dungeons and stopping after the end of Copperbell. Well, that will do it for this episode of Pod Return to the Waking Sands. Thank you guys for joining us. And um, if you would like to get in touch, you may do so at podreturnffxiv at gmail.com. Uh, otherwise, 
Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed. And we will see you next time.